Andy Tobler, Truth Warrior, Woke Destroyer, on News Talk STL. Well, certainly there is a new variant uh, that is now in South Africa in the, in the Gauteng province that has some mutations that are raising some concern, particularly with regard to possibly transmissibility increase and possibly evasion of immune response. We don't know that for sure right now. This is really something that's in, in motion, and, and, and we just uh, arranged right now a discussion between our scientists and the South African scientists a little bit later in the morning to really get the facts, because you're hearing a lot of things back and forth. We want to find out scientist to scientist exactly what is going on. But it's something that has emerged in South Africa and seems to be spreading in a, at a reasonably rapid rate in the sense of when they do test positivity, they're seeing that's a bit more widespread in South Africa than was originally felt a couple of days ago. So it's in a fluid motion. Well, there's uh, Tony Fauci. I think... Uh Maybe learning a little bit from some of his early communication regarding the wild type, then the alpha variant, then the delta variant, and now the variably termed Omicron or new NU variant out of South Africa. President Biden yesterday restricting travel from seven African countries, including South Africa. Uh, apparently, it's been in Mal- Malawi, uh, Israel, uh, Hong Kong. And so who knows that there's there's talk that it's spread rapidly, rapidly among all those South African provinces. On the other hand, transmission does not necessarily correlate with severity of disease once uh, someone acquires it. We'll talk with Bob Onder uh, after the first break here uh, about that and exactly what it means, how he's advising his patients and what his thoughts are regarding this upcoming respiratory disease season. It's a seasonal thing. Last year, we saw little to no flu. I mean, there was very, very little influenza. This year, who knows? Will Was that because people were... Oh, you know, restricting their congregant settings around the holiday? Were they masking? I mean, there has to be some explanation for it. It's the, the, no one, we haven't seen a flu season that mild, in, as far as I know, in my memory. We'll talk to Bob about that and about the upcoming Missouri legislative session. December 1st is the filing date. And um, if he were Fauci, if he were king of public health of the National Institutes of Infectious Disease, what would he do? But there's more. Uh, let's let's go to. I, I've got to. I've got to get something off my chest. We're going to talk with Virginia Cruda about that as well uh, later in the hour. But Max, I'm really struggling with how people are justifying the looting, the organized crime, really that's going on in uh, in San Francisco, L.A. Uh, I think it's been going on in Chicago as well. When we talk to Doug Belkin, I'm going to ask him about that. Uh, it, it came in the wake of the Rittenhouse thing, but I, I picked a bit of sound. It's a, a clip number five, if you can get that up. And this was a this was an African-American uh, group of ladies. Uh, it's almost like The View, except it's called The Real. I don't know their names, but I came across it talking about this and, and in a way sort of, I think, justifying, validating this. Take a listen. People are out here getting it how they live. I'm not saying that it's right, but the holidays do that to people, right? You look out, you see everybody buying, shopping, being happy and merry, and then you might be looking out at your family. You're unemployed. You've got kids. They may not have a good Christmas, and it's like, hey, I'm going to buck the system. Right. Not that it's right, 
but I say I understand. Right. Mm. right. Yeah, you have right. empathy for people who feel desperate. Well, this and, is organized. Yeah. I wouldn't say this is looting because looting usually is spontaneous mm -hmm. um, and it comes after something traumatic. Yeah. This is organized. This is an organized crime spree that's happening all across the United States. So that was the host of the show saying, well, you know, to me, it's a distinction without a difference. It's it's breaking in and taking something because, as the first commentator said, she sort of gave it that sly look. Well, I'm not saying it's right, but I understand. Well, that's validation. That's that's implicit validation and but randy it's the holidays we all went out loot and pillage during the holidays wait well, no well no, after we all i mean max just because i mean you you're <laughs> gonna spend i mean you you're gonna spend more because you got a 10 year old around and you know it's a big christmas deal and oh, you're, yeah. you're gonna spend more than helene and i will and i i think um you know i i probably need something more and want it more than you so i i don't know i'm gonna go down to bass pro and you know there's a really nice rod and reel combination i like i'm, I'm not saying that's right randy but i understand where you're coming okay. from Go ahead. I haven't had a well. I haven't had a new rod and reel for a long time, and a, a bunch of my best fishing buddies. I think we ought to go down there and just do it the same because we all want it. Or better yet, maybe a gun. I, I haven't bought a gun in a while. Maybe I'd like to have a, I don't know, maybe a nice twenty gauge side by side, you know, bird gun. I think that'd be nice. I want it. I need it, and I'm desperate. I'm desperate. You know, so it's just I'm 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 terming these people that are doing this, and it's it appears to be in an organized fashion. Remember, San Francisco is the place where it is now just a misdemeanor as long as you keep your pilferage below $950. I think we ought to call them the mobfia. What do you think, Max? I like it. There, it's it's a mob and it's organized crime, so it's the mobfia. Because, and I still scratch my head, question for you law enforcement people, whether you're, you know, on the, the prosecutorial side uh, or whether you're the cop on the street. I would like to know why are there not throngs of law enforcement just descending the, the minute that Louis Vuitton is broken into? You can't tell me that we couldn't just call all squad cars from all parts of the city in and just wreak holy hell on those people. Why is this not happening? This is a crime of violence. It's violence against the owners of Louis Vuitton. And I don't want to hear anyone saying, well, I understand. Because after all, Louis Vuitton, they've got deep pockets. I mean, that's what's implicit here. This is, this is the worst extension of the whole argument about equity. It's like equity at any cost. We all now are assuming on the one side of the track, and that's the side of the track that assumes this country is not, should not, cannot, and can no longer be about equality of opportunity, but we have to be about equity in outcomes. And I, I, don't, I, I don't understand the logic behind it. I don't understand why people think that because people have different skill levels and different effort levels, and yeah, throw in a little bit of luck. People that, that you know, I think success is really a combination of preparedness, innate skills, hard work, and yeah, a little bit of luck. And, and suddenly, all of those are thrown out the window now in our modern construct of social justice, that it's got to be the same. 
and and I wonder if any of the people who you know Ibram X Kendi, uh, you know those who are writing this whole critical race theory, all that. I wonder if their children, if they have children. I don't know if Kendi has children. Um, but those who are are espousing these 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 falsehoods, and really, I think it's it's individually and societally very corrosive this kind of a thing if their children are high flyers in school if their children are getting a's in school i really i wish that of course it won't happen but god wouldn't you love to see the teacher walk into the room and say you know son or daughter of ibram x kendi in the interest of social justice and equity we're going to take your A and redistribute it to those who are getting D's and we're going to make sure that everyone gets a B minus or a C plus. And that way it's, and that's what will appear on your official transcript because after all, it's not, it, there is, there is now no input from hard work, burning the midnight oil, the grit of studying and learning and assimilating and truly knowing something so that you can excel academically. There's a difference between rote learning and knowing it and understanding it. Uh, and, and, you know, just admitting that there may be someone that, that is just extraordinarily good at quantum physics, but can't begin to turn a screw, <laughs> well, you know, and vice versa. Someone who is unbelievably brilliant at just everyday problem solving or, you know, when it comes to mechanical and, and, and fix it up matters that, that guy or gal can make a, just a land office business in the home repair business even though they may not be good at math, may not be good at, they flunked, you know, algebra. It doesn't matter. Everyone has different skills. Everyone has something different to order, but now somehow see and legislative fiat is going to somehow make it all equal. And how do we define equal? I, I, I just, it's what's important to Max, those deep, dark, depressing movies may not be important to Randy. And how do we, how do we quantify equality of outcome even? I don't know. I just, and this, this validation with the wink, wink. Well, I understand. I'm not saying it's right. But not I that understand. it's right, but I say I understand. Right. Oh man. That's just, that's just, come on. Well, when it came to that, Randy got into a little spat with none other than Howie Kurtz and Richard Fowler on the Twittersphere. By the way, if you don't uh, follow me at Randy Tober, MD. So last Sunday, I'm watching, uh, you know, uh, the Talking Head shows. And I, after Maria Bartiromo, uh, Sunday Morning Futures, is uh, Howie Kurtz and the media show that he does. And he was talking about Kamala Harris and how, you know, a lot of the criticism of her has uh, come about with, is it, is it uh, you know, is it racism and sexism that's really at the root of this? Well, he had on Susan Ferriccio who said, no, it has nothing to do with that. It's that she's incompetent and she just is not a likable person. And she's a, before she even had a vote in Iowa, she dropped out because the polling was so bad. And, you know, and there's so much to be said about, and she's supposed to be the border czar, right? That, how's that working out for you? Okay, so Richard Fowler, they're, you know, one of the Fox News contributors who's a very, I mean, I think I enjoy watching him because I enjoy hearing what the other side thinks. I think he espouses that side as good as it can be espoused as well as it can be espoused. And they were back and forth and listen to 
what they said, and then I'll tell you what I tweeted to Howie Kurtz and what Howie Kurtz's tweet back to me was and how disappointed I was. And then Richard Fowler and I got into a little bit. Take a listen. Let me get Richard in. I want to come back to the question of the media. Look, there are obvious tensions between VP and the Biden White House. Many people have reported that. Tensions on both sides. Does the backlash suggest to you that any criticism of Kamala Harris is going to... Is vulnerable to being dismissed as mere racism or mere sexism. No, I mean, let's be very clear. I do think that sex and race play here. To Susan's point, she's the first woman to be in this role. She's the first black woman to be in this role. So to right. say that there is no race or sexism playing in a 28% approval rating, you can't say that. But with that being said, there are fair criticisms to point at the vice president. Okay, so you heard him say there's no doubt that sexism and racism. Max, when you heard that, what was your first? What's your first impression? What What did Richard Fowler communicate to Max Foise, who is a obviously a, an astute listener and observer of, of what's really there and unpacks it? That there is what no you, doubt if you criticize the VP, you're doing so because you are racist and sexist. Right, and then he and then he walks it back just enough to have credibility to say, but of course there are some legitimate criticisms. In the very you know. next breath, he kind of negates what he just said. It was very strange. Right, but he did say that it was about sexism and racism, right? Okay, so Randy Tobler uh, says to Howard Kurtz, hey, Howard, and to Susan Ferriccio and to Richard Fowler, it's like, man— you know, Richard Fowler, you embarrass yourself by, inf uh, this is my first tweet, Richard Fowler, you embarrass yourself by insisting on infusing racism and sexism into Kamala Harris criticism segment with Ferriccio and Kurtz. When everything is sexism and racism, nothing is sexist or racist. And Howard Kurtz, this is, this was, Max, this blew my mind. Howard Kurtz tweets back to Randy Tobler. Richard actually said there's some legitimate criticism of Kamala Harris that has nothing to do with race or gender. After he said it's about racism or sexism. So Howard Kurtz defended Fowler. I couldn't believe it. So I shot back at Howard Kurtz. Please review the interview right off the top. And again, because later on in the interview, Susan Fricho says, I disagree with Fowler. No, uh, with all due respect, she says, uh, he said, there's no question that race and sex play here. I said, I stand by my tweets. Howie, you didn't answer me back. Checkmate. Tobler wins that Twitter argument. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I mean, there's certain arguments I will stand my ground and I'll draw a line. And I wasn't going to let Kurtz get away with it. Um, and uh, if Fowler came back and said, you know, you're, I said, Richard, your logical fallacy is apparent. Do you realize that to assume the conclusion in the predicate diminishes anything substantive you wish to say? And we went back and forth and had, you know, and yeah, we had it back and forth. I said, hey, you're a smart guy. Why reduce things to cheap shot identity politics? You're better than that. Argue the issues. Lead a movement on the left to disavow such small minded tactics. Take the high road and resist the divisive echo chamber. I beg you. Well, Doc, I'm sure if you talk to just one of your patients, that would understand how gender plays a role in how they perceive. What? Well, <laughs> yeah. Doc? Wow. Yeah, well, Doc. And well, so we Doc. went back and forth, and I said, I'm an OBJYN. Can you concede it's unlikely I'm sexist? <laughs> if so, might it be true that a criticism made against Harris or Yellen or Pelosi or Ms. Clinton has nothing to do with their chromosomes? <laughs> we went back and forth, and then he dropped it. I think I, I, think I won. I think I won. I don't know.
Uh, I don't know. That's I, there are certain things that I just am not going to back down on, and uh, that's one of them. I mean, yeah, the Almighty, when he says it's you know, there's no doubt that plays sexism and racism. Why is every time you criticize a woman or a person of color or a minority about their policy stance or their performance? Why is it automatically a default? And it's bought by the MSNBC and the CNN and the mainstreamers. It's bought as hook, line, and sinker de facto sexism or racism or misogyny or whatever. I mean, I don't get it. Well, now that I'm fired up, let's see what Bob Onder has to say after we step aside, pay a few bills here. Make sure that you uh, patronize our sponsors when and if you need their services, because that's what keeps News Talk STL free, about freedom, and always patriotic and uh, heading your way, right? 101-9941, News Talk STL. NewstalkSTL.com and all the apps. We are here for you every Saturday live, 6 to 9 on The Tolbert Show. Be right back with Bob Andre. I want you to hear what John Chisholm said. Uh, he's the guy responsible for this low bail. Uh, is there going to be, this, this is what he said earlier in 2007 when he talked about uh, this whole uh, jail reform. Is there going to be an individual I divert or I put into a treatment program who's going to go kill somebody? Yes, you bet, guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach. He went on to say that he claims to have inspired a wave of progressive prosecutors like him who believe that. Boston, Philadelphia, St. Louis, San Francisco, they all designed similar programs after his as he broke a glass ceiling. Welcome back to the Tobler Show. Uh, State Senator Bob Onder, uh, attorney, doctor, and a fabulous uh, patriotic legislator joins us now. Bob, happy holidays. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Good morning, Randy. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Well, right off the top, uh, this John Chisholm, I think, embodies uh, liberalism gone crazy. I mean, it's already crazy to begin with, but on steroids with prosecutorial dereliction of duty. We saw how uh, what the, what the, how that led to carnage up there in Waukesha. But in that clip, uh, Kilmeade mentions that uh, Chisholm, way back in 2007, was proud that he, uh, you know, he was sort of the, the, the papa of uh, soft on crime prosecutors and DAs. And he mentioned St. Louis. Can you fill in the blanks on that? I mean, is that was that the roots of Kim Gardner's misconduct, <laughs> or her, where, where, what, do, what did you make of that? Well, uh, Randy, I'm not sure about specifically about Chisholm, but um, it, starting um, two or three election cycles ago, uh, George Soros decided that uh, in many states, especially um, red or purple states, where he couldn't elect legislators uh, to do the so-called criminal justice reform uh, things that he would want to, want to, uh, to do. Instead, he would elect in big cities, he would elect soft on crime prosecutors. And uh, there is no question whatsoever that Kim Gardner is one of those. And uh, Chisholm, I don't know whether you know he took campaign money from uh, George Soros, but he is very much in the same ilk as uh, Kim Gardner. And essentially, these uh, soft on crime prosecutors believe that pretty much everything we do to fight crime 
is quote systemically racist, including um, the practice of, uh, of of cash bail. Um, of course, uh, you know Kim Kim Gardner uh, Kim Gardner's prosecutions of murder, of armed robbery, of carjacking are down dramatically uh, from her uh, predecessors, uh, and she's proud of that. She's proud of yeah. that as as the murder rate skyrockets in the city of St. Louis. Um, so yeah, but but no, we have our own um, our own cases, our own uh, similar to this. Uh, the Missouri Supreme Court. Um, uh, in 2019 imposed upon the state of Missouri. They really wrote a new law, but they um, they uh, imposed this upon uh, Missourians in the form of a uh, of a new rule that created a strong presumption against requiring a bail for pretrial release. And it's already had disastrous consequences. Just a few months later, there was the case of, uh, of Javier Alatorre in Kansas City, uh, where there was a mass uh, shooting at the restaurant uh, Tequila KC that killed uh, four and uh, injured five others. So last year, I was working on um, on, on reversing some of these uh, so-called reforms uh, imposed upon us by the Missouri Supreme Court. We didn't get it across the line last year, but I think um, the case up in Wisconsin highlights just how disastrous these soft on crime prosecutors really are. Well, that's what's so troubling. Uh, the, the Post-Dispatch reported that there's been over 20 um attorneys in Kim Gardner's office that have uh, either resigned or been fired since 2017 when she took uh, office and uh, and that there you know what was it last year I think that uh, well we're the third most crime ridden city in America and that the Soros as you mentioned the Soros uh, Missouri based uh, uh, pack that he that he sponsors had given you know a lot of money to her campaign and so this is real, and it's it hits home. This is not just a Waukesha phenomenon. That's what's concerning. Uh, they reported $116,000 from the Soros-backed Missouri Justice and Public Safety PAC uh, was contributed to the Democrat uh, uh, Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner. And across the nation, $28 million to similar uh, campaigns. So this is a real insidious phenomenon, and it, boy, it's troubling to hear that well, it's happening here in a in a fair uh, you know state and town uh, close to us. Uh, are, is that well, something on your yeah. legislative agenda for uh, for next agenda uh, next uh, session? Because the filing is what December first. It starts, correct? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it certainly is, Randy. Uh, we have done a number of things the, la- the last few years. A couple of uh, a couple of years ago, I worked with um, with the attorney general's office to. Uh, pass a bill to uh, crack down on carjacking, which has been a been a, a huge problem in the city of St. Louis and elsewhere. Um, but you know when we have uh, when we have when we have uh, prosecutors who don't want to prosecute crime who view any uh, law enforcement as systemically racist, um, you've got a big problem because we could pass all the laws we want at Jeff City. And uh, if the if the prosecutor isn't willing to bring forward the cases, it's 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 a huge issue. That's why a couple of uh, last uh, last summer, the 2020 special session, I worked with the governor's office and the attorney general's office uh, for a provision that would have allowed the um, the the uh, the, uh, the, the this 
the uh, attorney general to uh, prosecute murder cases that uh, Kim Gardner, the city of St. Louis, refused to uh, take. Unfortunately, that didn't make it across the line. But yes, this does need to be on our agenda. The, look, the, the crime in St. Louis and Kansas City is is giving the whole state a black eye. Um, and uh, between between Kansas City, St. Louis, and Springfield, we're in the top two or three in terms of murder rates as a state. Um, it's it's really it is really pathetic, and it's brought on us on the one hand, brought on us by one one by these uh, soft on crime Soros prosecutors, but also by a liberal activist Missouri Supreme Court. Yeah, wow. Well, and it's demoralizing for the policemen and women who are, you know, trying to keep us safe. I mean, that's their that's their 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 prime mission, and I know they take it so personally. Well, well, hundred percent. And they and yeah, they know this is going on. Why would they risk their lives uh, yeah, arresting yeah. a violent criminal, knowing that that criminal will never be brought to justice? It's one of the reasons why they have an enormous uh, police officer shortage in the city of St. Louis right now. Well, and we're yes, we're seeing the same thing that's happening across the nation in one degree or another in various industries, the great resignation or the reassessment as it's called. Well, but with with even more reason in uh, law enforcement, right, especially those cops on the beat, because it's like, what what the heck? What, what am I doing here? It's a revolving door, you know, and, and you just think of the carnage up there. I was so angry on Tuesday. I did a I did a segment, uh, my regular segment with uh, with Vic um, Porcelli and Ken on Tuesday, and I was just I was angry and depressed at the same time, Bob, because what was a what was a safe and sound country has devolved into darn near Mad Max uh, <laughs> type of uh, an environment now uh, in in our major metropolitan areas, and I and I think it's going to if it continues this way, it's going to seep out across the land. Uh, we've got to put a stop to this. But I guess there's hope because I mean I think you're seeing pushback, right? I mean the people, if you look at the polls, it seems as though both locally, statewide, and nationally, there's a real movement among the people to say enough, enough of this woke mentality that's leading to just rampant crime. And I, I have a feeling that uh, it, it, the screw may turn the other way. At least I hope so. Well, I, sh- I, I, I certainly hope so. And, you know, what we've got to remember is that all of these um, all, all of these 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 sort of crime fighting tools that the left uh, are trying to undermine, they uh, undermine, they have their purpose. I mean, they all really uh, does create uh, an incentive for uh, for the suspects of families and of course the bail bondsmen to make sure that suspect shows up in court on their trial date um, and the purpose of bail is is public safety it, uh, it really those who are at high risk of reoffending or at high risk of fleeing the jurisdiction and to never coming to justice just shouldn't be given bail period or right. and and if, and if it's an in-between case the bail should be set high enough that their family darn well make sure that they show up lest you know lest they they lose the bail that they posted uh, some mm-hmm. of this is just common sense but with the left um, and uh, the uh, woke so-called anti-racists none of it's about common sense it's all about politics yeah, it's just it's amazing how suddenly um, the, the the victims of crime have no justice because it just it just is overlooked and winked at. It's just it's it's amazing. Hey, in the couple minutes we have left, uh, you were uh, 
really proud to say that, uh, you know, the St. Louis Citizens Supporting Kids and Community Organization, uh, you know, had a, had a victory in court and uh, the judge ended public health director tyranny. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this, this I mean, this was huge. Um, since the beginning of the COVID pandemic, um, really, I believe these so-called public health agencies have really overstepped. I mean, Randy, it was just a couple of years ago that public health directors uh, did, they were in charge of a few things. They compiled disease statistics, they they work, they, they did flu shot drives, they ran STD clinics, and they, uh, they sent out inspectors to look for cockroaches at restaurants. Uh, in the last year, public health directors, uh, county level usually, um, have become uh, tyrants who think they can do they can do whatever they want. They can decide whether our business opens, whether our children go to school, whether our churches can open, whether we wear masks on our face. Uh, now I fear that uh, that mask that that vaccination mandates are the next uh, are the next uh, next fight for some of these um, uh, public health tyrants. And they derive it all from a very obscure um, regulation of the Department of Health and Senior Services. And uh, and and uh, this week. Um, this week, a judge in Cole County, Judge Green, um, sided with those pushing back against uh, this overreach and struck down the relevant regulations. So, um, you know, I, it, what's what's happened is that regulations meant to combat polio and, and smallpox um, are being used for an influenza-like virus, a nasty influenza-like virus, but one that's going to be with us. Uh, for the foreseeable future. For heaven's sakes, Randy, with smallpox, we had a vaccine that was uh, pretty much 100% effective, and it took 200 years uh, to eradicate um, eradicate smallpox. Uh, but this is really Fauci and his buddies at the NIH and the CDC. Back, back when they were fighting HIV, they lived under the, um, under the uh, misconception that there was going to be a vaccine and that would, uh, that would, would solve all our problems. That wasn't the case with, with HIV. And although the current vaccine does seem to protect against serious illness and death to some degree, uh, we've got to learn to live with this virus go forward. Uh, I, I, I refuse to live under a, a, a public health tyranny um, in the name of fighting a virus that most of us have a 99.9% chance of surviving. I think there's a lot of uh, a lot of people on each side of the fence in terms of those who are living in fear and those who are living with respect to the virus. I happen to be one that lives with respect and not in fear. Um, but to that end, what about the family gatherings? Uh, put on your immunologist hat here. We've got a new. Uh, I, I imagine it's already been seeded in in the states, and you know the this either Omicron or new, whichever one it is, from out of South Africa. Yeah. A lot of hysteria over it. The market tank yesterday. Um, uh, what's your advice to people in terms of this holiday season looking forward? Uh, you know, uh, how should they individualize their family gatherings? How should they protect those who may be vulnerable, uh, vaccinated or not? What's what's your advice as a doc immunologist? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everyone has to make these decisions for themselves. But, you know, certainly anyone who's sick, anyone who has a, you know, a fever, a cough, they probably need to uh, be careful about being around those who are at high risk, uh, the elderly, those with pre-existing um, medical conditions, 
diabetes. Um, I think I, I think exercising some common sense and you know respect, as you put it, I think goes a long way. But I you know, and I think really our public health authorities need to stay in their lane and give advice. Um, but uh, issuing um, dictatorial decrees, I don't yeah. think is consistent with our form of government. You know, from what I understand about the technology behind the mRNA vaccines, I'm looking for the day when with a rapid, you know, cycling of, okay, we've identified a serious, highly transmissible, maybe more virulent, uh, you know, variant. Uh, Okay, we're going to plug that code into our machine and push the button and out pops the new vaccine that's more effective, especially for those in vulnerable populations. I'm hoping that we can get to that point. That's one of the beauties of this technology from my standpoint. What say you? Yeah, I think that's right. You know, every year, Randy, of course, the uh, CDC picks um, the three uh, strains of influenza, now four, that are going to go into the year's flu shot. So being able to turn that sort of thing around rapidly, I think, is uh, is very valuable. At the same time, I remember in medical school, one of my uh, mentors said uh, said uh, said to us med students, um, don't be the first to prescribe the new uh, yeah. medication <laughs> um, and uh, let someone else's patients be guinea pigs for a little while. <laughs> and although, you know, a couple of billion doses of, of the vaccine have been administered, I, you know, I, I, I understand where I and I've been vaccinated, Randy, but I understand where people who are hesitant um, uh, to be vaccinated, I understand exactly where they're coming from so uh you know again i believe in the vaccine but i don't believe in coercion there you go well there he is dr bob onder and we look forward to uh what's on your drawing board for the upcoming legislative session as uh, things move down the road in that regard and uh, you and your colleagues in leadership there in the senate come up with uh, your your agenda let's talk about it in the next few weeks yeah well, Randy, it's like yesterday that I talked about whether I was going to run or not with my good friend, Randy Tobler, and I'm now in my eighth year. So um, one yeah. more session. <laughs> all righty. Sounds beautiful. Great to hear. There he is, Senator Bob Onder. Thanks, hey, all the best to you and Allie and the family. Have a great you day. T- you too. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. There he is, Bob Onder. When we come back, talk to Virginia Cruda from the Daily Wire and uh, check in with her on uh, the mafia, what her thoughts are, prosecutorial DAs, and maybe the Salvation Army that's imposing racial wokeness within church ranks. Should I get that dollar back that I dropped in the kettle last week? <clears throat> Tension. We'll be back with more on the Tober Show here on News Talk STL. the best time of the year. What message does it send to the middle-class Americans President Biden says that he's trying to help who are struggling this week to cover the cost of the most expensive Thanksgiving ever that the president is going to take a few days off at a billionaire's compound in Nantucket? Well, first I would say, I don't know if you've cooked a turkey before, but a 20-pound turkey is a pretty big turkey. I think we can all agree. They're about $1 more. 
Well, there's our little weekly clip from the Ducey Pasaki Wars. <laughs> and it's always fun to see the sparring. I imagine they actually are pretty good friends off camera. I think I heard that somewhere. And uh, it's become a little bit of a, of a playful thing between them. But she first, I remember a few weeks ago, it was about, well, you've never, you've never had a baby, I'm sure. You've never tried to raise a baby. Uh, it's just amazing. She is very condescending to Peter. And in that one, well, you've probably never cooked a 20-pound bird before, but, you know. Well, it's a lot of fun, and they are. But you know what? She, I think, does diminish the very, the the the, the very real visceral pain that people are having with inflation when it comes to the things that you really, really, really need. Right? Those basic uh, subsistence goods, and it hurts. Uh, inflation hurts people at the lower end of the uh, of the ladder economically more than anyone. And yet, uh, the White House says uh, it's good for you. Take your castor oil. You know, who cares if gas is there? You, know, three hundred three dollars and fifty cents a gallon. Don't worry about it. Just get over it. You know, you'll have your electric car subsidy coming down the pike. Well, to help us unpack that, as she does every week, is Virginia Cruda. Now with the Daily Wire. How you doing, Virginia? Happy Thanksgiving. Do you hope you're having a good weekend? I'm good. How are you? I'm real good. What do you think? What do you think of Pasaki's snarkiness? I mean, I get tired of it. Well, I guess it's fun and humorous, yeah. but I get tired of it. Don't you? Yeah. And you know what's interesting about her comment is that she said, you know, she's trying to kind of dismiss the, the, the extra cost saying that a 20 pound turkey is a dollar more. Well, what she's forgetting is that gas is also a dollar more a gallon, almost a year mm-hmm. to the day. It was two thirty nine a gallon last year at this time. It was, and the national average, I looked this up last night, is three thirty nine right now. Okay. Yeah. So a dollar more per gallon. It's also about a dollar more for a gallon of milk. And, and how about eggs know, and bacon? While people, while people only may only eat a 20-pound turkey once a year and pay that extra dollar, most mm. of them are buying several gallons of milk a week. Yeah, most of yeah. them are buying multiple gallons of gas per week. And so to to reduce the, the question of inflation to a maybe two or three times a year purchase, and say, see, you can handle it. Well, yeah, the mo- most American families can absorb $3 a year, but you're leaving out all the stuff that they have to buy every day. Yeah, and I think that so they, I they feel it over and over and over again at the gas pump probably more than any other place, don't you think? Right. I mean, that's where it's probably yeah, hurting well, the most. The gas pump and the grocery store between yeah. the things that you can't find at all and the things that are more expensive when you do find them. I mean, what is it? Bacon has gone up something like 75% in, in cost. Amazing. Ground beef has gone up 40 or 50%. Um, yeah. uh, Walmart, for example, used to have a blend of ground beef and ground pork, which was slightly less expensive, but really, really good in things like chili and, and you know, mm-hmm. Italian and tacos and all, all these things. And you can't get it at all. It's just Whoa. not there. Yeah, there were a yeah. couple things as I was baking for Thanksgiving that I went to I went to multiple stores to look for a specific ingredient and then ultimately had to substitute because no one had it. So Wow. Yeah, and, and so all of the gas and the time that I put in and that I had to substitute anyway because the supply chain issues are affecting everyone on a daily mm-hmm. basis. Yeah. 
And and I think the blame game is is really sinking into the electorate. I mean, you see it in the polls, don't you, where people are just tired of Joe Biden, the White House, uh, for that matter, Congress people in leadership. You know, it's always Trump's fault. It's, oh, uh, who was it came out the other day? It was, it's uh, it's the big corporate greed, right? It's all about corporate greed, you know, and that's what. Uh, Elizabeth Warren said it. And Stephanie Rule on MSNBC said, she was like, well, you know, just because the costs go up doesn't mean the businesses have to raise prices. And, yeah, you know, yeah. I'm married to a small business owner and my immediate response was, well, of course not. They don't have to raise prices. They can hire fewer people. They can yeah. pay those people less or they can give up and go out of business. They have lots of choices. Right. You know, no, wait, whoa, 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 Virginia, you're missing the, the point here. One. <laughs> wait a minute, Virginia, you're where? No, wait a minute. You are a privileged wife of a right. of a small business owner. <laughs> All you have to do is just sell that that uh, that chalet that you have in Aspen. Come on now. That's what you need to do. It's that second and third home you have. And don't forget that yacht that's parked in the Miami Miami Harbor. After all, that's what you're supposed to do because it's all about equity. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) what she's forgetting. And and while while there may be a few large corporations where not wanting to cut the bottom line is the problem, there may be a few corporations, the larger ones. The problem is that these policies she's pushing affect everybody down to the mom and pop shop. And if yeah. you look at a state like Illinois, where uh, I think we had somebody from Illinois Policy Institute on yesterday morning talking about 90 percent of the new jobs in the last year came from small businesses. Yes. Ma'am. And these and these small businesses are the ones who, as I said, can't afford to not raise prices because the alternative right. is things like closing their doors or not right. hiring people at all or paying those people yeah. less money when you do hire them. Well, that's right. And that's why my advice to people that work in the, the lower um, educationally required or the lower skilled or non-certified, you know, uh, trades and, and at places like that, um, they better go and get some education and get either at a community college or a vocational institute and learn to be robot technicians, because that's the next thing. You know, I mean, we've already seen it with kiosks at your fast food places. Those yeah. are the folks that are going to be displaced. So it's going to be a perfect and very ugly storm for people who, you know, are wanting to climb the ladder they start at the lowest ranks as we all did and they want to climb but they're going to be displaced before they have a chance to climb to be a manager of mcdonald's and then maybe own a franchise and up and up they go you know to 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 management to use one you know one example they're not going to have a chance because that franchise owner when he or she is squeezed is just going to say sorry i've just hired a robot five of you get out of here i'm I'm done you know and that's the sad part about this now no yeah did you see the Biden administration's apparent plan to deal with gas prices? They are um, they are now going to charge people more for permits to drill on federal land. So when you already have a gas crisis that you can't solve, when OPEC won't open, the the, the obvious solution is to charge people more to drill. Yeah, yeah. And how patronizing is it? Yeah, I'll patronize. Here, play uh, Max, I have a clip I'd like you to comment on. Uh, Stephen Colbert, who I'm not normally a big fan of, I thought he really came through with a really pointing out the hypocrisy and the irony of the strategic oil reserve release. Take a listen. It's not clear if this is going to work. Energy experts have consistently said such a release would do little to lower prices at the pump. It's also not the best look 
right after you come back from a climate conference. We must end our addiction to fossil fuels. What's that? Gas is $3.50 a gallon? Let the rivers be choked with crude oil and the carcasses of pelicans. Of course... Virginia Cruda, he nailed it, didn't he? But, I mean, do they think we're that stupid that releasing two and a half days of oil from the reserve are somehow going to make it all better? Well, and actually, it, it didn't. It did nothing to encourage. I mean, the, the idea was to encourage OPEC either to release prices or produce more, which would effectively release, uh, reduce prices. And they so when the United States solves that problem, and I say solves in air quotes, by releasing strategic oil reserves, and other countries did the same thing, then OPEC says, well, if you're going to cover the need, then why would we make more? In fact, we'll just dial it back a little bit. Yeah. You can cover yeah. this. Um, and all that does is it keeps the price the same, and now we, are, we have a lower yeah. amount in our reserves. So it it hasn't really done anything. It's not going to do anything. And the only thing it's doing is depleting what we have in storage for an actual emergency um, other than a, well, my poll numbers don't look so good. So let me see what I can do. It's another example of Democrats and elites thinking that uh, they're so smart and the rest of us are so dumb that, A, they need to think for us and B, they think we can't figure out what they're up to. Virginia, always love your analysis. Hey, great job Thursday and Friday uh, filling in for Mike uh, along with uh, Paul Cartman. Super good job. Really enjoyed it. And uh, we had a good time. (laughs) Yeah, look forward to seeing you next week. I'm going to be in studio. Maybe I can uh, join you personally. That'd be fun. You can join me. Sure. All right. Sounds good. Hey, have a great rest of the holiday weekend with your family. What's your favorite in the last half a minute here? What is your favorite holiday movie? Oh, gosh. Um, We... uh... It's, it's this sounds bipolar, but we watch White Christmas and we watch Die Hard. So oh wow, okay, there you go, <laughs> bipolar. All right, hey, and we look forward to your work on the Daily Wire. We'll see you next week. Thanks, Virginia. Take care. Uh-huh. <laughs> Die Hard and White Christmas. All right, we'll be back at the top of the hour and with more of the Tober Show. Douglas Belkin coming up on the College Beat.